Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Extra Rounds podcast with Mike and Elias. And we might have to add Jose's name to the uh, graphic package. <laughs> That's right. He's been here a lot lately. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you have a fighter of your caliber in our backyard in Chicago, I feel like we need to have you in here uh, as often as possible because you can offer a little bit of a different perspective than uh, Elias or myself. So thank you for taking the time out to come back again. I'm just waiting for my key. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get, you know, eventually there's going to be the Jose Shorty Torres show. And you've been doing some breakdowns uh, on SIMMA Facebook page, video, Twitter account, uh, breaking down upcoming fights. So that's all really cool stuff. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see those yourself. I have. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, he can uh, provide a level of insight that most people can't. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> so we want to talk about uh, a lot of things. We want to talk about the UFC and MMA in general. We also want to get to a, a deeper conversation about weight cutting because you can offer some insights that. Uh, and maybe you could too, Elias, having cut weight that I couldn't I offer. Barely did. But it. Yeah. nothing to him, Mr. <laughs> 26 to amateur fights and Jeez. six pro fights and a, a, life and a of wrestling, wrestling career. Yeah. Um, but before we get into all that, I wanted to lead off talking about this uh, fan sided Phantom 250. And for people listening and watching who don't know what that is, or for the two of you, uh, basically, fan sided every year ranks the top 250 fan bases in the world. And what makes this list unique is that it's not signif- uh, singled down to a specific sport or uh, sports in general. It includes entertainment like Beyonce's on the list and Taylor Swift and Game of Thrones and Star Wars and the Dallas Cowboys and the Chicago Cubs and um, all these different like, college teams, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, uh, Boomer Sooner. There's, so it's like a mixture of everything. There's brands in there, Nike, Adidas, uh, sorry, no Reebok. But um, <laughs> I wanted to point out two things that pertain to three of us, I guess, in the show, is that the UFC came in at number 48. That's ahead of things. 48 seems, might seem low, but when you consider the amount of categories, it's not. Uh, if you think about it, he's ahead of Nike, or UFC's ahead of Nike, uh, ahead of Rihanna, Liverpool, the WWE, the 76ers, the Boston Celtics, to, like, to name a few. Um, so it, it's up there. So what do you think about UFC fans? <laughs> and maybe you, being an MMA fighter, professional MMA fighter, who's set to make his UFC debut, hopefully, soon, what do you think of MMA fans? Man, it's, it's really cool. The UFC itself has been you know, promoted so much. It's really, really picked up throughout the years. And, I mean, they're now making almost a show every single week, which is ridiculous. You know, usually it was, you know, the UFC to whatever, you know, an actual number where everything's pay-per-view compared to now everything's on Fox or back in the day it was on FX and Spike and all that stuff. So it's become so much more popular. I mean, you see these MMA fans that know nothing of MMA, but they see it on TV and they go, I want to do it. You know, you, you know, you own a local gym where people just come in and they could be just random guys that just want to come in and learn self-defense and where they go, man, I've seen this guy do it. I can do it, too. And it's it's a different outlet. You know, for me, it was, uh, you know, I was an MMA fan at first and became, um, you know, a living. You know, so for different people, it's, you know, for different reasons. But MMA fans from all over the world hit me up. And, and it's really cool to see inspiring stories, whether they're they're trying to make it out of the neighborhood or just learning how to fight, self-defense, or, or actually trying to be in the UFC. So it's MMA fans are, are one on their own. It's really, really spectacular to see people actually trying to get up and do something. One of the things that we got Forrest Griffin to do a video uh, for the announcement on the UFC, and he was talking about why fans were so great. And one of the things that he talked about was just how kind of what you were talking about, like UFC fighters are so accessible. Like if you if you're an MMA fan, yeah. you can go to a gym. Like if you live in Cicero, you could go to Combat Doe to train, mm-hmm. and Jose Shorty Torres could walk in, or you could you know go to an MMA academy in Milwaukee, and you know Anthony Pettis, former lightweight champion, trains there. Sergio Pettis, flyweight contender, trains there. 
Um, you know, there's and you think about what you see with Diego and Isaac, uh, the Shermanator, which is uh, awesome, by the way. Yeah, and, Shermanator and it, is a great, great guy. And a great well. name. Yeah, yeah. Actually, he, uh, he, him, and I rolled around one day, and I, I had the, one of my red shorty shirts. I was like, "Are you a medium?" Yeah, so I take off my shirt, get <laughs> my shirt. So he was, he was a real That's cool guy. Cool. And uh, Diego, man, Diego's the scariest, nicest guy you'll ever meet. Because, you know, you see him in practice, and he's wailing on people. He's, you know, head down, just like in his fights, you know, just throwing his hands wildly. But then he meets you, and he's like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. You want to ever work out and all that stuff? And you're just like, uh, yeah, you know. Um, but Diego taking care of Sherman, it's it's awesome to see what an inspiring story it is and just the popularity, not for Diego, because Diego – you know, doesn't care whatsoever about it. He just really wants to help Sherman and Sherman's pretty much now living out his dream because mm. of it. But when you come, you know, talking about May fans and the gyms and walking in, you know, first time I was at Jackson Wink, I didn't know where to go. Mm. There was two sections. There was a section for the MMA fighters and there was a section for the fans. Like people came in and they have a balcony where you're able wow. to just watch. Wow. I, I met a guy who traveled across the country hundreds of miles just to meet John Jones. Wow. I guess they met at a UFC event. He's like, oh, John Jones said to, to come and just say hello. Well, <laughs> I drove from, I think it was like Maryland, all the way down to New Mexico just wow. to say hello to John Jones. Was there for half an hour. Jones like, okay, cool. He practice, met him. All right, there, you know, have a great day. And then he leaves back Maryland. That's like fans going to see like a spring, uh, spring training game for baseball, except they actually get to meet, mm -hmm. meet going to the going to the clubhouse or something to meet the the athletes. That's crazy. And, and Jack Swink has the balcony where you're able to wow, like, look I didn't down know at that. two cages. So it's it is it is. Uh, I mean, even elementary schools go there just to like meet. That's know, smart. Fans, so it's really really cool. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's and you know we were the story you were talking about the guy who came from Maryland to see John Jones. That's like a perfect example of why the UFC ranks so high. Yeah. You know, you don't have, I mean, I'm sure there's stories for every fandoms, but you have people traveling halfway across the country to watch a guy practice. Right. Alan Iverson, we talk about practice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at, look at UFC fans, Ireland, the whole country of Ireland goes yeah. to see, you know, Conor McGregor wherever he goes to fight. So speaking of Conor, Conor came in fifth on the list. Now, to give a little bit of background about how this list is compiled, they consider things like longevity and size. Um, but you can't just make it purely about size like on social media. Otherwise, mm -hmm. Katy Perry and her 120 million followers on Twitter would never be challenged. Um, Nor should she be. Right. But longevity, <laughs> size, buzz in, a, in the year is a, is a factor, as is the uh, passion barometer, which I think was something we call like the great equalizer because mm -hmm. small fandoms could be high quality too. Uh, you know, it's not all purely about numbers. So uh, it's kind of a gauge of quality. But he came in at number five. Uh, number one was Ohio State. Two was uh, Game of Thrones. Three was Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Four was Star Wars. Five was Conor McGregor. What do you guys think? Too high? <laughs> too low? Oh, it's just all, all this stuff's all fun. Like, you know, what, he's 43 places higher than the entire organization. So, I mean, it, you know, it's just, it's just fun. I think it speaks to the moment, right? It speaks to, it speaks to the moment of, of, of his celebrity and, and the passion that he does inspire in his fans because there's no denying that. Like, so as I really respect Conor McGregor as a fighter. I think he's like a really interesting mind, like for martial arts too. I've been very vocal, you know, and criticizing him for sadly his like constant bigoted comments recently. Like it's a it's a pretty bad consistent pattern. So not like a fan of his anymore in that regard. Uh, but you know he he gets people. I've been as if you, uh, I, uh, I've been at like fights of his where in Vegas where. Not Irish Americans, I'm not saying one is more or less Irish, but like people from Ireland, I've talked to them. Fans come and they, they take vacation time. They spend 
thousands and thousands of dollars to go. That's that's pretty interesting because it's not someone that's been around forever either. Like he's definitely a, a phenomenon of popularity. Like it's it's pretty spectacular that one guy, one fighter from our sport of MMA, which talking to your point earlier, uh, uh, Jose, like I remember because I started I started watching and when UFC started, but I started training in 99 and then becoming a bigger fan. I remember when there was nine UFC events a year, right? And you'd have to get your full contact. Sometimes you couldn't see them, right? Cause they were banned up from pay-per-view. So you'd have you to, couldn't watch the prelims. You could, yeah, you could, oh, that saw oh, that went for so long. That was crazy. You had to buy the DVD months later to see the prelims. You'd have to sometimes get full contact fighter magazine to read the details of what happened in last night's, uh, last month's fight. So, you know, to see a guy in that sport reach that level, terms of popularity it's uh yeah it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty crazy i remember stefan bonner shooting me a text when he was uh doing an espn uh, like a desk thing now we take it for granted that, you know we have we have pre-shows for the ufc we have post shows we have that was a huge thing i remember i think it was maybe machida shogun too i don't know I, it was one i think it was not too long ago um and Bonner was, uh, I, I, I'd done my first or second story ever as a professional on, on Stefan Bonner. He just uh, came from the Ultimate Fighter. I remember him texting me. I, I hadn't talked to him for a bit, so it was kind of cool. And he was, his mind was blown that not only was uh, he there, but that just that there was a desk show on ESPN happening around MMA. And that's how I felt like every day for a long time. Every new thing that happens is just kind of, it's mind-blowing. I mean, I felt like we always felt MMA was deserving of that attention, mm-hmm. but it's kind of crazy to, to see it. It's a huge thing. I mean, Conor McGregor, when he was fighting Chad Mendes, was, the I believe, the second time I was competing at Worlds mm-hmm. for, for amateur MMA. And, you know, I won Worlds, and I'm, like, just celebrating. I'm playing blackjack, you know, at one of the tables with my friend Carlos, and I'm looking, and the guys next to me have, a, like, a really strong Irish accent. I'm like, oh, you guys came to watch Conor fight? They're like, yeah, we want to see him lose. I'm like, you traveled all this way to see him lose? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, that's awesome. You know, like, whether you like him or not, you're following him all over. You yeah, know, I mean, and all crazy. the publicity he's getting now is, doesn't matter if it's good or bad. It's yeah. publicity is publicity. So yeah. he's, you know, uh, uh, going to court cases, doing, you know, uh, calling out the mob, um, you know, doing fights Daring at, them. against Bellator, you know, referees, and, yeah. you know, doing all these problems. So it's, it's really crazy to see just a... Uh, you know, small face grow so yeah. fast and be not just the face of MMA, but how he even crossed over to boxing. That's probably why he's number five now. He's getting, right. you know, two types of fans. And, I mean, the guy has so many sponsors, so many endorsements. The guy's in video games. The guy's in movies. He does whatever yeah. he wants. Some of the things that factored in uh, in the rankings was his social media growth. Uh, he grew. He had gained, uh, like, over 12 million followers in a 12-month period geez. leading up to the fight. Uh, near the fight, he gained a million followers in a single day. His kid has an Instagram account with 100,000-plus followers and <laughs> hasn't posted a single thing and is verified. Um, that's another thing. But you know, he, his fans were more engaging on social media, according to a study uh, that compared his, uh, his following versus Floyd Mayweather. He got 419 million social media interactions. Mm which is just an absurd amount. It's a little um, more than I got. That's crazy. Right. And, <laughs> you know, and then the pay-per-view numbers that factor in, the being on the cover of EA Sports, looming over the sports, the Bellator thing. Uh, the possible Pacquiao fight. If that yeah. Is, you know, it, you know? It's, you know it's, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous to see how popular that guy's gotten. And uh, you know, now he just does nothing, but people know who he is. <laughs> you know, and that's how crazy it's become. Uh, yeah. I, wait, he... He can send the world on fire with a, a single tweet. But and the, one of the other things too um, that I, I wanted to mention is that Mayweather also 
credited the fans' demand for the fight as mm -hmm. part of why that fight happened. I mean, he came out of retirement for this fight, right. and he credited the fans. So, anyways, we'll see if he can hold on to that spot. Uh, Jose Shorty Torres fans might might get on there one day. So, well, right. what about your fans? Tell us a little bit about your fans and uh, kind of make the case for them to be on the Phantom 250, uh, if you will. No one likes me. Like, <laughs> no one likes me. Um, you know, all my fans, they it's crazy because I have a lot of people hit me up on social media, media as my social media numbers start to grow and they really just start to see, you know, my story of where I'm from, trying to make it out of the neighborhood and trying to inspire instead of um, instead of just being another fighter, talking smack, doing the whole Conor McGregor thing. Mm -hmm. Actually, I have Conor McGregor trolls, you know, hitting me up too <laughs> where, you know, hey, I'm the champ champ, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm the champ champ. They're like, oh, Conor McGregor said it first. So Or the Jeremy like, oh, Stevens, who that is that guy meme? Like, that's like any time you think any. Put yeah, I was like, Connor. dude, Champ Champ has been around way before Conor McGregor, <laughs> but yeah, sure, whatever. I guess I'm jumping on it too, right? But um, but you know, I my my, my, my fans, That's right. you know, mainly out of Chicago, but everyone really helps me out around the world. It's really cool that uh, you know, I just have some people supporting me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's the fact of I can be the best in the world, but if no one knows me, what's it really matter? Mm -hmm. You know, I I've, I know today some fantastic MMA fighters that are still not in the UFC, but it's just because they're not known. That's really all it is. And the UFC looks at numbers. I think if you were to do the Phantom 250 based on murals, you'd be pretty close to Connor. Like, <laughs> I don't know right. how many he has in Dublin, but you have three in Chicago. I think Nate Diaz only has one in right. Stockton. So, right. like, just if right. murals was the criteria, you'd be right, right, right there, there, I imagine. Maybe ahead. I've only seen, like, a couple. I can't think of more than... Like two or three yeah, from in Dublin. Either. But well, that's pretty freaking cool, too, because you talk about engagement with fans. I mean, so, it, you know, knock on wood, fingers crossed, you know, health permitting, which is no guarantee in this world. You know, it, it seemed like from the outside looking for some time that Jose Shorty Torres is, is, you know, on his way to the UFC at some point. But you haven't yet fought there. Yet you have murals in your hometown your own city like that that type of connection is is a pretty is a pretty cool thing and i think you know certainly in like big time sports like the nfl you people are, are spend millions of dollars fans spend millions of dollars they're fanatical and stuff but per, things like painting someone and a building is a very personal thing i think it speaks to you and i think it speaks to other fighters like conor mcgregor and ideas but it speaks to i, I think too just like the way you, I don't know how much this is true for Conor McGregor still. I think it's relatively true for Nate. I've been to Stockton and up there, and I've been to his gym. I trained with him. He's pretty accessible to his people, at least, even though he has a reputation for being, like, standoffish. Mm -hmm. When it comes to training or his people, he's very accessible, it seems like. You know, and someone like you who just makes yourself accessible. You interact with fans on Instagram. You you make fun of yourself on Instagram. You give you do you give to charity. You coach kids. Like I gotta make fun of myself before <laughs> they get a chance to. But that's that's right. <laughs> now you pray up though. That's smart. But like MMA, that's a typical thing I found of MMA fighters. Like we, so I, I've covered boxing and MMA like at, at this level since for a living since 2005, I think I had my first job. So a lot of times folks are asking, like, oh, you know, who's your favorite fighter to interview? Cool. Then they ask, oh, who's a jerk? I really don't have many answers for that, right? Like, I don't, I've, I've maybe, maybe encountered one or two people who weren't upon me meeting them or talking to them for the first time, and who am I to them, weren't, like, nice and friendly. You know, some people are really cool and engaging. Others are just friendly. But, like, it's such a rare thing to meet MMA fighters that don't at least – make themselves pretty accessible. I think that's an MMA, MMA phenomenon. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, you go to Vegas, like you walk around, like a fight in Vegas. You trip over casino, fighters and yeah. coaches, yeah. I mean, like if you have one of those, like, you know, kids have those autograph books for like Disney World. Like if you had one of those for MMA fighters, fill it up. To a fight and like a big fight, like fight week yeah. in Vegas, like you just, you just run into anybody in yeah. the MGM or wherever. Like you, you have to, you have to try hard not to run into a UFC <laughs> fighter that true. week. It's, and it's crazy. You know, everyone like now I'm slowly starting to get more popular, mainly because of my last fight and how bloody and gory it was and the, you know, defending the second championship belt. But, like, you know, I go to the export gym in, in Lions, and you know, I do my usual workout. I've been going there for a couple of years. But now, I mean, the other day, and I, I don't mind it whatsoever, but, hey, man, I'm working out, you know. So I'm on the treadmill doing a, a nutrition run, and I don't know where two, two people were standing next to me, like, just looking at you. Hey. I was like, <laughs> taking off my headphones. What's up, man? He's like, hey, can we take a picture with you? I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah, give me like four and a half minutes and I'll be right off. And I'm like taking the picture, gasping. Hey, go, ahead, go ahead. Hurry up. I can only flex for five seconds. So I'm pass out. You know, so it's, it's real cool to, to see like just people in my neighborhood, even if they don't know me or grew up with me in high school, um, older, younger, whatever the case may be. And, and I know a lot of other MMA fighters are really humbled by it because, mm -hmm. again, if we're not known, what, what are we really? You know, again, we can be the best fighters in the world, but if no one knows us, mm. we're not going to get anywhere. That's why I always do say we can, we will together, we are Team Shorty. Because, again, if I didn't have people supporting me, I wouldn't be where I'm at mm. today. Mm. And I wouldn't be, you know, growing as fast as I am. And it's, it's for, you know, Shorty growing. You know, so it's <laughs> really, really cool to, um, you know, have these fighters and, and whether the MMA fighters are just fans in general, you know, support us. Whether it be with actual, like, buying merchandise or just mentally supporting us, it, it all really goes in the long run. Speaking of merchandise, I got I got a red maroon tank that I love, mm -hmm. Team Shorty. This is looking pretty fresh, though. You yeah. got the old school sweat. Is that, is that available in the store right now? Yeah, yeah. TeamShorty.com. I'm actually revamping the website, too, uh -huh. but the old website is still up. Uh, so, overall, we wanted to do the old uh, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, you know, boxing type of T-shirt. Yeah. It says, like, you know, Mike Tyson, you know, whatever, you know, city he's from, and then uh, his gym and – you know, his championship, world heavyweight champion. You know, so for me, I go, well, I'm the two-weight class champion. You know, we're going to have Jose Shorty Torres, two-time world champion, even though technically four. And, you know, <laughs> we'll have my logo in the middle and just make it make it have an old-school feel. Yeah, classic you know? and, look, and that's yeah. that's something that I try to do is I really try my best not to sell just merchandise. Mm -hmm. I try to sell stuff that is going to be, one, really nice material so you can use it for workout or actually going out. And, two, is just something that people enjoy instead of going, oh, wow, I paid 20 bucks for this. <laughs> like, the logo is cool, but, the, the you know, the material is mm -hmm. not the best. So mm -hmm. it's really cool that everyone helps me out, and uh, I'm just glad. Oh, actually, I'm hoping my team is going to nationals for the amateur MMA tournament in February where they're going to have a youth program and do pancreation, which is oh, cool wow. for the kids trying to advance when they're 18 to do oh. MMA. And then our 18 and up-year-olds are going to compete in nationals where I was able to win twice, so hopefully they're going to fall on the same path. That would be great. So 20% of all my earnings starting uh, – actually at the new year is going to go pretty much to them that's awesome um, to get ready for the tournament i believe i believe it's in missouri this year so mm. you know the travel and just being able to stay at the hotel and all that stuff so it's real cool and it's guys that are again trying to make out a neighborhood and see if mma is going to be their their type of living you know like myself that's awesome i was gonna say it's got a roots of fight kind of yeah it's classic no it's dope it's like a keepsake i like that i might, I might have to get one of those now before to get an extra extra chubby size here now we were talking about connor's rise and your growth and popular and popularity amongst fans uh, are you tempted to follow in his footsteps ever you know i think a lot of, he's he's very outspoken and brash and i want to say that it's that probably authentic him but it, it I think being that is 
easy. And I think you've seen other fighters kind of take that approach, like Colby Covington all of a sudden overnight is <laughs> going like the heel route and it's getting him his name out there. And do you ever find yourself frustrated and you're like, man, maybe I should just talk a bunch of smack too? Is it hard to stay true to like the person you are? Talk about giving proceeds to uh, you know, people trying to make it as MMA fighters. When it comes to talking smack, I mean, everyone hits me up because of it. Um, that's 100% not my thing. I've never been like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to start talking smack. I've been a little more outspoken. But one thing that, that Lou, you know, really, you know, he's my mental coach, not just my weight manager specialist. But he tells me, he goes, hey, it's okay to talk smack. As long as it's truthful, <laughs> it's fine. If you believe you can beat somebody, that's your belief. Mm. You know, but if you're just making stuff up and talking crap and, and sounding like a teenager, just saying whatever, then, then so be it. That's, that's the whole And there's a difference between saying, like, smack talk of, like, I'm going to win, I'm going to beat this guy up, which is what you're trying to do, and, like, some personal yeah. attack about that person or their mother or their race yeah. or their, you know, like, the whole, that's a difference. Uh, what was the guy who uh, who got beat up by Oscar De La Hoya? He was talking about his wife and all that stuff. Uh, Vargas? Like, Fernando Vargas? No, no, it was no. a different one. It was a different guy. Oh, Mayorga. Oh, Mayorga. Mayorga. Like, oh, yeah, his wife this. And it's just like, oh, oh, I'm beating you up now. You know? Yeah, so he got him pretty good. It's a whole different thing. You know, you <laughs> see, um, you know, Ronda Rousey was mm. probably the biggest, biggest example. of She was on the rise, you know, humble, humble, humble. And then with the whole Holly home fight, she started to talk smack, started to – to be a different Ronda Rousey, and then she gets knocked down. Everyone's like, "Ah, oh, Ronda Rousey, you deserve that." It's like, "Ah, oh, that's not what I'm trying to do." You know, if I lose, I want people to still respect me because mm -hmm. I lost to the better man. Hopefully, that day, I'm just doing what I believe is best, and I'm saying what I believe is true. Mm -hmm. You know, when I talk about my record, for example, my campaign about anyone I fight in the UFC. You know, it could be um, Demetrius Johnson or, or Tim Elliott or Jared Brooks, whatever the case. I can legit say they've no one has fought someone like me. No mm -hmm. one's fought a four-time world champ. No one's fought a guy with 26 plus amateur fights with a 25 win streak actually now 31 fight win streak and and being able to have two belts at two different weight classes like i can legit say that mm. can anyone else say that yeah. you know so when people are like oh i'll beat him it's like okay who have you fought you know i have guys that that call me out and they're like oh you've beat no one i was like dude i've beaten guys with twice the record you even have now you know so it's like um hmm. you know so when i talk smack it's just truth. I'm speaking yeah, the truth. That's all right, it is. So, right. you know, I mean, no disrespect to any of my opponents because, again, we're all after the same goal. It just so happens we're on each other's way. But, you know, I'm going to have to fight friends Tim Elliott, Sergio Pettis, mm -hmm. uh, Brandon Moreno, whoever I fight. They all know that one, it's promote, you know, promotion, publicity. Mm -hmm. And two, it's, it's the truth. And that's what I believe. And I doubt you'll ever, when you face these guys who are friends, I doubt you're ever going to go the, again, like the personal route. You might talk smack and be like, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, it'd be yeah. fun to be yourself, but I doubt you're going to start insulting no, yeah, and I who mean, they are and, and, and as human beings. Tim Elliott, Jose Shorty Torres thing when they do like the, the uh, solo interviews and Jose being like, well, let me tell you how Tim's going to beat me. That's something I do want to bring up, but like, for example, Jared Brooks, mm. you know, um, we've done a couple podcasts together and radio shows and he immediately, like, I even tell the podcast guy, like, hey, just to let you know, Jared Brooks is going to swear. He's going to sound like a teenager naming, you know, body parts. <laughs> I'm going to do this to you. Do this. Like, ah, dude, it, it honestly sounds like I'm arguing with a teenager. Like, I get what you're trying to do, you know, but it's more disrespectful and childish. It's a different actually, style. You know, being professional and, 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 you know, stating facts and going, this is a business. This is what we're going to do. Make mm. a show compared to, like, oh, I'm going to beat you up because of this, this, this. You got, well, it's like, 
what's what's that matter? You know, that has nothing to do with this, you know. But Tim Elliott actually, um, I did get the last minute call to fight Tim Elliott. Sadly, you know, I'm, I'm actually now still uh, decently recovering um, from my last fight. Took a bunch of calf kicks, which I recommend don't ever do calf <laughs> kicks. Um, and then my sister just got removed the MMA punch right now. Would probably open it up a little bit, but um, or an elbow, I know he did an interview not too long ago actually stating that I would have loved to fight Shorty Torres just because, one, we have trained before. Two, it's a great story. He was the, the Titan FC flyweight champ before I was, mm. so it's like a, two champions fighting from, in a sense, different eras. Yeah. And it's a $50,000 fight. You know, that is a fight in the night type of type of bonus for us because, I mean, you see Tim Elliott's fights. Whether he's winning or losing, he's exciting. He's always putting on the show, mainly because his style, mainly because how random he is. And <laughs> me... I don't even want to talk about me. I'm always bloody, bleeding, and then, you know, somebody's broken something, you know. So it's it's, it's two exciting fighters yeah. that just have a story. I actually, if, if I'm able to com- campaign for it, that's something I would love to see on a, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, a main prelim, you know, mm. UFC Fox fight. I think that'd be awesome to open up something like that. What, what's the deal? I'm going to have to inject you. That would be an awesome fight. Um, so I'm not going to, like, reel too much there. But this this wasn't the first time you'd gotten the call to to fight. But are they ever going to offer you a fight that where you didn't just fight, where you're not publicly like just just recovering from surgery? Everyone sees your hand. Like, what's the point of Stitches offering someone? Fight? Yeah, I mean, I know exactly. It's crazy. Like, listen, matchmakers have always been callous, but we're on a real roll here with like Bisping fighting. You know. Three hours after he's concussed and choked out, now Nangano's not even going to have a training camp for, yeah. for this heavyweight title. You keep on getting a call with stitches in your face on the air I, and broken hands. I feel like Mick is like, he broke his hand, let's call him. <laughs> let's call him. Let's ruin his day. He's got like a, an alert set up in like the, inter, the national medical database. <laughs> yeah. It's like Jose Shorty Torres was in the doctor. <laughs> let's hey, buzz him. Quick question. It's like, mm-hmm. and I was like, title I, fight tomorrow, yeah, Shorty? Yeah, like asking the question that you know the answer of, but he's just doing it to bug me. Um, you know, and that's, that's something I'm really trying to campaign for mm. is there's no one in the UFC out of all weight divisions that has my type of resume. You know, I'm, I'm in a sense given not to the same caliber, but in a sense of Vasil Lomachenko of MMA. No one's had that type of amateur pedigree yeah, that I've had. You know, two-time world champ. I was the first ever to do it. Now there's somebody else with William Starks and uh, a few more around the country, but if I'm able to campaign that way and show my resume, show my accolades, no one can compare to me in mm. any type of thing besides, you know, the champions of every single division. You know, so, and I've trained with some of the best, TJ, Don Dotson, you know, uh, Swanson, all these guys can literally campaign for me and go, no, this guy can fight. Yeah. I mean, even Tim Elliott goes, this is a fight at night type of guy. Mm-hmm. If I fight him, I know win or lose, I'm making 50 Gs because of it, because it's that exciting. You know, I'm not trying to win every single fight. I'm trying to put on a show. It just mm-hmm. so happens so far, I'm winning every single <laughs> fight. You know, so I'm just... Yeah, that's something I'm really trying to campaign for. And right now, I would love to fight sometime mid-February and see where it goes. And I'm really hoping, hopefully Tim Elliott's watching this, uh, that he calls me out after this fight. Mm. Because that is a fight that I know the fans want to see. One, the Titan FC backstory. Mm. And two is the flyweight division needs excitement. And I know both Tim Elliott and I can make that. That That is, you drew the Lomachenko uh, comparison who just who just won again. So, Dominated. Uh, yeah, really, really. Uh, you know, he was a bigger fighter, but he, you know, his opponent was a great fighter. Brigando was a great fighter, and he, he couldn't do anything. That's interesting because I think, yeah, you're, you know, I think one that speaks to that mostly MMA, amateur MMA is is not as like it's because it's not as old of MMA is not as old as, as old of a sport as many other combat sports, uh, and the amateur ranks usually aren't as as organized. And to the extent that they are organized, like with the tournaments you came up with, um, they don't get 
much recognition or, res- or respect yet from the uh, from from I think the, from the promotions. A lot of you know to build an amateur record isn't the typical thing to do. A lot of smart younger fighters have been doing that. We've we've had uh, Charles Rosa on, and Rosa with his initial management, they took kind of a, a similar approach. He had I think like twenty five plus amateur boxing, kickboxing, MMA fights. The idea being when he goes pro, we want to be ready for the call at any point. You know, it, it seems like you took a, a similar uh, a similar tech. That's, but I wasn't, so that's one thing. I think amateur MMA needs to be more organized, and to the extent that it is organized, uh, it needs to be more respected um, because then it allows fighters to not only get a chance at the big leagues as pro, but like hopefully, you know, get better contracts. Like Lomachenko, I'm not saying he's paid what he's worth, but he came in, when you come in as a two time gold medalist of something that's recognized and respected, you get a better uh, deal from the promotion. Not only do you get higher money, you get a promotion that's looking to like take care of you and build you. And, uh, and, and we don't see that uh, in MMA. I was going to ask why, you know, what your approach would be for career management, you know, going forward. And you want to jump right, if you want to fight Tamelia right away, you're clearly not looking to like. There's no easy fights in the UFC, but you're not clearly not looking to get protected. Neither was Lomachenko. In his second fight, he fought for a world title. It's his only loss so far. Like you, you, you're not looking to. That's an interesting thing because you come out with that pedigree. Usually, you say, "Well, let's maintain that zero. Let's yeah. maintain that zero for as long as we can." But you just want to get in there and go against the best right away. It's one of those things that the whole amateur career is your practice. Mm. You know, so it doesn't matter if you go 0 and 30 or 30 and 0. Given <laughs> you want the the 30 and 0, but. Um, you look at my career and how fast I, you know, was able to rise up. My third fight was for a world title. My fourth fight defended it. Fifth fight, I'm waiting for the second one. Sixth fight, I defended that one. So, I've only been I've been in, you know, out of my f- uh, six professional fights, four of them have been championship mm-hmm. fights. You know, because of my amateur pedigree. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I was the underdog for pretty much most of them, if not all of them, um, they go, okay, well, this guy is my first one was against uh, Abdel Velasquez. They go, he's seven and two. He's the favorite versus two and zero. Jose Chordy Torres. They go. Yeah, but Usman was like, but this guy has 26 amateur fights. Like, he's done his work. Yeah. You know, so when I got to fight these guys that were technically higher, you know, ranked than I was, I was more prepared for mm. it. You know, I've been in, you know, the cage with some animals. I've been dropped three times in one fight as an amateur. You know, so I know how to come back. So when I got dropped against a Farquhar Sherpaw fight, I knew how to come back. Mm. Never broke my hand. That's something new. But, you know, I was still able to, to adapt and survive and be able to overcome it. You know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like a job resume. You want to be able to, you know, make that resume as big as possible. So that amateur career, you just go, go, go. doesn't matter if, you know, I fought at 25, 35, 45, and 55 mm, yeah, as no, an amateur. Wow. But my whole amateur career was pretty much 135 just wow. because there was no reason for me to drop too much. But it's, you know, I did kickboxing, judo, jiu-jitsu. I mean, I did pretty much everything. So when people go, um, how long have you been doing this for? I'm like, oh, I've been doing this since I was four years old. Almost 21 plus <laughs> years of, you know, just mixed martial arts experience and, uh, it's made me the person I am today. Mm. So when people go, I'm five and zero. Where should I turn pro? It's like, you're the average guy. Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to be a big fish in a little pond, or do you want to be a big fish being able to to just go whatever pond you want to, yeah. and, and you know, just dominate? And that's what I was able to do. Is I traveled from Chicago, then I went to Missouri, and I went to different states, and I went all around the world and been able to win world titles because mm. of it. You know, so it's, you know, people don't know I have Pan American gold medalists in kickboxing. You know, I was able to be in All American wrestling. You know, I was able to do world championships in MMA. So, being able to travel so much and do so many things, be different. Mm. You know, so you can b- get better respected as a professional and not be that feeder fight to some guy <laughs> they're really trying to build up because yeah. it happens a lot. Yeah. You look at you know my career, move that real fast. William Starks got called mm. immediately when he won his second world championship. Went to Titan FC. You know, he went one on one, given he lost his last one, but he fought a guy who was on the UFC Contender Show. 
You know, and then you see um, there's another guy from Team USA, uh, Benjamin Bennett. You know, he's, I believe his record was 30-3. and three. Now he's getting calls from, I think, like six different professional promotions that are not local. They're all wow. bigger promotions like Titan FC, LFA, Brave, all these other promotions. And it's because of what I've been able to do and showing that, oh, man, if this guy can do it, but this guy has the same type of you know, accolades, mm. we're going to start calling these guys mm. up too. So be different. Join the UMUF. Join the IMUF. Do different organizations, Nagas, uh, whatever, Jiu-Jitsu tournaments are out there and stuff like that. Just try it. If you lose – it's your amateur resume. Once you turn pro, it goes O and O again. Mm. You know, so it's uh, it's a huge thing. Try to try to be different. Hmm. Now, before we get on to weight cutting, there's one question uh, a fan's been patiently waiting to ask. Dum, dum, dum. Uh, in the thing, he just wants your thoughts on the UFC heavyweight title fight in January. His prediction is Francis first round knockout to win the belt. I can see that. Mm. I can 100 percent see that. <laughs> I don't see it going past the second round unless you know Stephen Miocic is able to. You know, maybe take him down to the ground and just hold his position for a while. Maybe I don't, has Francis gone three rounds yet? I think he has once. You know, so I don't know. I'd have to look it up. How is his conditioning? Yeah, that's how the is question. conditioning on the ground? It's a whole different thing. Yeah. I know he's a guy that's improved in so many different ways. It's it's ridiculous in his short amount mm. of time in the UFC. But I he's I can never see gone the distance. He's never gone the uh. distance. So is it like a Mr. T type of fight where mm. this guy can knock out everyone, but if he goes past a certain amount of time? is it going to be able to last? Mm. So, you know, if, if I was facing them, my game plan would be to take them down and try my best to hold them down for as long as possible, run away for a little bit, and just keep on doing what I need to do to, to get the fight in the later rounds and tire them out. How about even pressing them against the cage, even if you can't get them down? Does that, does that grind on the guy? If it, you can that test him a little bit? Being able to press them against the cage is, is a big thing. The only problem is Francis Nagano is such a big guy. You don't want to tire yourself out trying to tire uh, someone Yeah, I've, I've definitely done that before, and pressing someone up against the cage is a lot of work, mainly if you're trying to take them down, mainly if they're the bigger, stronger guy, which mm. more than likely Francis Nagano is going to be. Mm. So it's, that's the hard part, being able to do – you know, double leg takedown, something that's explosive, something that's, you know, close but in a sense far away that you're not getting, you know, mm. struck in the face by a kick or a punch. Because, again, Francis, he lands that one shot we saw against over him. Mm-hmm. He will, <laughs> he will, you know. Send just, you into another dimension. The yeah, shadow realm. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I mean, we've seen so many memes about the Alistair over him, like the ghost already going up in the uh, air. You know, his guy. soul leaving him, you know. So it's a, it's a crazy, crazy thing. And it's really hard to game plan against somebody so dominant that can literally punch you moving backwards and knock you out. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely intriguing. I think it's smart of Stipe to try and take the fight it's so quickly, you know. It's, yeah. uh, I think it benefits him. I, I, you know, he's been out for a while, but I'm assuming he stays in shape. But being able to, like, camp, be better rested, you know, this guy coming around quickly could be could be a benefit for him. Yeah, and he's – I'm pretty sure Stipe's been training and just, you know, overall been ready and watching Francis Nagano. I'm, I'm fairly certain that he expected that, that outcome mm. of the fight with Alice Overeem. But, again, Nagano took no damage from what I know. And I'm pretty sure, you know, being a heavyweight, he doesn't have to weight cut from what I know. Yeah. And he's just pushing forward. So – it's it's definitely going to be a well contested fight if it goes past the second round. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit about weight cutting. Dum, dum, dum. Weight cutting's constantly been a problem. I'm there's lots start of uh, <laughs> lots of yeah. There's lots of uh, people have different thoughts on it. Uh, how to cut weight? Uh, what methods to use? What could be done to rectify weight cutting? Some people think adding weight classes will help. Some people think it won't help at all. Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, different things. So. Uh, you cut weight for a living, essentially, mm-hmm. though sometimes you fight at 135 and you get to cut I'm already less weight. <laughs> um, so maybe you can talk us through it through the fighter's perspective. Uh, what, what needs to be done about weight cutting? 
you know, the biggest thing, and this is something that Lutrition and I definitely have, have really been in sync with was when I was in college, you know, I cut 25 to 30 pounds every single week to make 25. You know, I started at 150, 155 and went down. And even though I would make the weight every single weekend, I'm, I'm so deprived of everything that mentally I'm like, oh, I need it. I need water. Mm. And nothing would leave my body because my body went in starvation mode. You know, so when I started Monday, I'd start back at 145 and have to lose 20 pounds in the five days, make weight. And sometimes we'd have the two-day tournaments where you make weight Friday and then only get the pound allowance on Saturday. Or some tournaments were doing a tournament, so there was no pound allowance. You know, so it was, it was definitely a very, very depressing struggle, but it was um, – you know, it teaches you a lot. You know, I've been through the horrible weight cuts of, of laxatives, sauna suits, um, spitting, uh, excessive hot tubs. Oh, I used to run five miles or eight pounds of clothes. My outfit was long john uh, bottom top uh, T-shirt, um, my sauna top and bottom, then my hoodie over that with my sweatpants over that. Jeez. And then I run with eight, ten pounds of clothes, do five miles, have my fiancé now, my fiancé or, or just friends watch me so I wasn't passing out. And then they would drag me to do the hot tub, and I'd do a 20-minute hot tub. So by the time I got home, the hot tub was already set, steaming, wow. boiling, to where I even have pictures at home uh, where I look like a lobster. My skin was just red, you know, like here, because that's how far the water went up. And I'm just, some of the times I wouldn't even be sweating because there was no water in me. And because my university didn't have, um, you know, a nutritionist or somebody on hand to really teach you, you're just kind of looking at, the, the upperclassmen, what they do, you know, so you see the mm. freshman in high school looking at the varsity, you see the freshman in college looking at, you know, the starters and going, oh, well, they do this. Well, I might as well do that because mm. that's how they make weight. It's the only way we know how to make weight. Um, but working with Lou, I go, man, I, I want to fight 35, even though we both knew I'm, I'm a flyweight fighter. And he goes, yeah, sure. You know, I listened to him 100%. I had one of the best bodies I've ever had at 35. Then the second fight, I, I was like, oh, I know I can make 35. So I kind of did it myself. Mm. And, you know, looked a little chubby. And then I made 25 for the first time with Lou. I trusted him, and it was the whole weight management. Mm. Instead of, you know, you see a lot of guys uh, water loading these days where they, they weigh 20 pounds a week of, they're drinking two, three gallons of water a week or uh, um, a day, and then, you know, two, three days before weigh they taper all of it off and just try to sweat it out, whether they're doing runs or hot tubs. Mm. And it's, it's mentally draining whether your body can do it or not. You become un- unmotivated mm-hmm. after so long. You know, hormones are being sent to your brain of just saying, I don't want to do this anymore. And you mentally get to that point. You know, I know, you know, Anthony Pettis definitely struggled in making 45 the next time. It's, it, you know, it's hard. Johnny Hendricks is another guy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many fighters that just, just struggle. You know, myself, I've, done, I've, I've never technically missed weight in college, but it's, it's a thing you just think about every day. It's like, I don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a depressing thing. And, you know, making weight the first time at 25, um, the scales were actually wrong, you know, um, to the official Florida State Commission scale. So I ended up having to sauna back up oh, and man. run outside in 90 degree weather just because I thought I was already on weight. Oh. And I made 123 instead of 125. <laughs> and for people who fight and make weight and know, wow. two pounds could be a whole difference. Hell, point f- you, you see people missing weight by 0.5. It makes a huge difference, and it can actually ruin a fight. I might be able to last the first round, but what's it going to last mm. after? I think um, – Anthony Johnson is probably one of the best examples for MMA of he went down to 170, was able to knock people out, but if you took him past the first round, he didn't have anything. And then misses weight at 185, pretty much same thing, gets cut. He's like, you know what, I'm just not going to cut any weight and, and see where this goes. He fights at 205, he looks like a monster, and he's become one of the best UFC fighters in history mm. and knocking out people. 
And um, he's been, you know, extremely feared because of it, whether he's going to make his return or not. 205 is his weight class. Mm. Frank Edgar, even being the smaller guy, showing that size doesn't matter. Fighting at 155 against gigantic guys, whether he's, he's losing by split decision or, or winning the belt, he's showing that his technique is, you know, overcoming yeah. the size difference. Absolutely. Um, so seeing these guys, you know, cut all this weight, it's like, uh, Marcos Beltran is a guy mm. from Chicago. I love the guy to death, but I think he was five nine or you know something around that range. Come down to one twenty five when his whole career was at one thirty five. It's like, oh man, is, is that something you really need to do? Um, you know, people get that mentality of I'm going to be the bigger guy at a small weight class. Well, what do you think everyone else is trying to do? Mm. We're all trying to be the bigger guy at a small weight class. How about you be the healthier guy mm. at the weight class you should be at and see where it goes from there? How long did it take you to to adjust to that mindset? People, including Lou, that I've talked to that, that, that focus on getting fighters healthy, making weight, and nutrition, they say sometimes that's the, the ones, at least like Lou, who talk about weight management as opposed to just the weight cut, which is, let's be honest, that's extreme dehydration. It's a controlled, like, death spiral. That's what cutting is, right? But you're talking more about management. When, how long did it take you to, to make that switch mentally to say, okay, I have confidence that even if I'm not, even if I'm smaller, a lot, lot, a lot lighter than my opponent. I can do this. Being healthier will, 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 will pay dividends in the fight. Like, did, did it take a while for you to like get that confidence? It, it, it took a while to get it more mentally than anything because it's. You think about it. For me, you know, I wrestled in high school, freshman year. You just look at all the varsity and mentally, you go, "Well, I'm just going to follow what they're doing because mm -hmm. the varsity guys, they must know what's right." Yeah. You know, so you see guys running with garbage bags. You see guys running miles and miles and miles to lose all this weight, and then they go wrestle and they can't wrestle. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm known for conditioning, but when I get got into the wrestling mat at 125, I'd wrestle the first period and then go, "I'm just going to stall uh -oh. and then see where it goes." You know, because I'm just too exhausted. You know, my first match was always my bad match, so I had mm. to pin him in the first period. If I didn't, I'm probably losing. Mm. And then the second match, once I've really rehydrated and finally got the, you know, to replenish myself, then I was able to compete like myself. But I noticed for myself, mainly because of my height, I'm always usually going to be the smaller guy. Mm. You know, so I never look at it at that sense. I more enjoy the challenge. Mm. Yeah, and I try to definitely speak to the high schools, mainly with uh, the kids cutting weight. I go. Don't be afraid. I hear the biggest thing of, oh, if I wrestle this, these guys are just too big for me. I go, yeah, probably. But that's the fun part. Enjoy the challenge. Mm -hmm. If you get your butt kicked, you get your butt kicked. That's you're, The world's not over. Hmm. You know, It's a sport. You're going to keep on going. You actually have to enjoy the challenge. And same thing in practice. I mean, I see people mentally lose before they even go out there and wrestle mm -hmm. or fight because they go, oh, man, this guy's so much bigger. Uh, he's muscular. He's cut. He's defined, whatever the case may be. And they, they mentally beat themselves up because of it and then try to do all this weight cut, and they still lose. It's like you might as well just stay at the same weight hmm. class. You know, I had a kid in, the, in, in high school actually hit me up and go, I want to try to get to 106. I go, okay, cool. How much do you weigh? He goes, oh, I weigh 120. I go, dude, you're like 16 years old. You're a growing boy. Yeah. You know, so you might not be growing much more, but you're a growing boy. You know, so why don't you wrestle like 116? You know, all you got to do is just, in a sense, get healthier, mm. you know, manage your weight and you're going to perform at your best and not complain every single, you know, Thursday, Friday. Oh, I got to make weight. I got to make weight. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's a huge, huge thing. So being able to get the confidence of accepting the challenge instead of, oh, I got to do this because this guy's bigger than me. It's like, no, have fun. Enjoy yourself. Mm. You know, it's just a sport. But Lou, which I are we are we going to be able to have Lou on? We can here? call him right yeah, now. Yeah, let's try. How Lou, do we? Lou is the guy that, that definitely. Do you want to call him? From your phone, you want me to call him from mine? Uh, do you have his number? Unless his number's changed. Lou, if you're watching, we're calling. <laughs> oh, 
but he he's definitely been my my mental coach mm. you know i mean my past two fights have been at 35 yeah that's you right know? so and both guys have been bigger than me yeah. mainly gleaton was that my last uh-huh. opponent was definitely much bigger than me but it's like ah i've just been enjoying myself and see where it goes. It. you know and i was still able to dominate the fight and i wasn't i was see if we get luan i wasn't asking because i know we were talking offline a little bit about you're still you're in there enjoy yourself and you let it fly but you're still it's important to have a, a plan and we were talking off air you were seeing some high level fighters that seem to not have a plan recently oh is lou on the line lou you there yes sir hey this is elias We've got mike dice My here man. and with some, and some guy named jose shorty torres he's claiming oh. he's a, uh, a world champion and you're he awesome says he knows you but he conveniently <laughs> didn't have like yeah. your number and we had to call from a different phone i don't think i know who that is i don't think i've ever heard of it is he in the ufc <laughs> he soon okay, will be I, mean, I don't know he looks kind of yeah. pudgy to be in the ufc soon will be is, is yeah, this nutrition probably. oh i'm, I'm yeah. unfollowing this podcast <laughs> <laughs> immediately listen having me on should have no reflection of this podcast it's definitely one of the best <laughs> well thank you yes sir so we're talking weight cutting. Uh, oh yeah. I don't know if you you want to just want to jump in and give give us your thoughts. Uh, Jose was sure. just kind of walking through I, his I, thoughts. I don't, on I don't know if Lou knows anything about weight cutting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jose was talking about the switch he made with you from going from like, hey, I've got to cut and I've got to be you know worry about being the smaller guy to thinking, hey, I'm going to be health the healthier guy and managing right. it, managing out throughout the year. Yeah, I mean it just I mean it just goes to show and, and, and I don't know much about cutting weight. I know more about managing it mm. when you manage it properly and, and that's the massive difference and I've learned and even in my own personal career and stuff and that's what Shorty does best. It's because he does manage it all year round that, that it makes the transition that much easier, whether we have to fight at twenty five or thirty five, uh, or don't know where we're gonna fight so we keep our weight at a certain, you know, number and it just makes it that much easier. And you don't see him you know, looking drawn out on any scales or, or you know, uh, fatiguing or, or looking or being in any dangerous situations during the cut because of the position he puts himself in by following protocol. So we, we were talking earlier about, like, the way to fix weight cutting or how to, you know, help solve the problem. Some people think weight classes and whatnot. But it just doesn't it seem like staying closer to the weight you're fighting at all year round is just the most logical thing? 100%. Two quick things. One, unfortunately, and you guys probably know logic just most of the time just does not win, which <laughs> doesn't make any sense. But two, and, and here's the thing, you could even go back to like two years ago when I really first started in the industry and, and probably even on one of your shows when we spoke, I was I was all about when the idea of more weight classes got brought up. I was for that at the time. Um, I've actually changed my opinion on that and I'll mm-hmm. tell you why, but, but I was for that. Um, and then I was also for fighters, you know, fighting closer to their actual you know, walking around weight, I'm against that now. So I kind of flipped a little bit. Um, and But here's the reason is, is because at that time, I was really just getting started. And I only had one or two real experiences with fighters. Uh, Eddie Chuck Gordon was the first really big name that I worked with. And the transition was just so easy. He listened to everything. The weight came off. And then the more I talked to other fighters, some that I did work with, some that I didn't work with, I realized, well, their walk around weight was like 50 pounds above their actual weight class. So you know, it's tough to, to, to hear. And again, a lot of guys that I didn't even work with, it's tough to hear, you know, to, to campaign for making more weight classes because that'll solve the problem. No, what, what would solve the problem is, is just being healthy all year round. And then let's see what your actual walk around weight is. You know, there's a massive difference between eating whatever you want, drinking whatever you want and blowing up however big you are. And that's your weight to actually managing it, eating it healthy all year round. And then that's your actual weight. Those are two massively different things. Yeah, it's, you know? it's it's a huge thing, and it's something to piggyback off of Lou with the extra weight classes. 
is, you know, wrestling for college, you have 10 weight classes. Mm. We had a guy actually bump up and go, okay, cool. It's going to be much easier for him. He's naturally there. He actually gained weight because he knew he could, you know, in a sense, gain weight and lose that weight yeah. a lot easier. And then by the end of the year, he actually struggled to make weight wow. because he goes, oh, um, I've, yeah, okay, I've overdone it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've eaten too much. Um, and now he's struggling at the heavier weight class. He goes, dude, you didn't, you were already there, you know, but he right. became comfortable and go, mm-hmm. oh, well, it's a natural thing for all of us to cut 20 pounds in the week. So, mm-hmm. uh, I get to enjoy life a little bit more. And then he's out of shape trying to, in a sense, get back in shape when he was mm-hmm. in shape in the first place. Yep. And it's happened in the UFC. You've seen a few yeah, guys that, that, that have bumped up in weight and missed, yeah. you know, uh, several guys, not just one, several. Uh, and, and again, I think it, it just, for me, again, I've learned being on both sides of the fence that, you know, uh, yeah, adding more weight classes, wh- why I would be for it now is just to give more guys opportunities to fight. I think that there are so many talented guys out there and girls that, you know, it's, it, there's so much talent that maybe adding more weight classes would just give people more people the opportunity to fight, make more money all year round. But what I'm afraid it's going to do is, you know, give people the excuse that, oh, OK, well, now I really don't have to watch my diet um, and, and just gain more weight. And then what happens is, is everybody on the outside it just thinks that, you know, it's, it's weight cutting is the problem. Is weight cutting dangerous? Yeah. If you're 50, 60 pounds above your weight mm. class, is it dangerous if you manage it? and You're only 15 pounds. No, it's not. Mm. Not at all. Let me ask you both of you guys this. I am. Kind of, kind of curious. When, 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 when athletes get way, way heavy, and you know, a lot of at the highest level, some of them are really notorious. Like they, they, they walk around and they're uh, very, very heavy and out of shape, like with a lot of extra fat on them. And training camp is mostly just about dropping weight. Um, does that happen because their diet? Obviously, their diet is not great. Is it mostly about that, or is it? But, but yet they're still like training hard, or is it that? When people get really, really heavy, you guys find they also just they don't really train throughout the year too. Like, is it both? Is it one more than the other? Just kind of curious. Lou, go go right ahead, Lou. I, I would I would say it's a combination. To be honest, again, it's one of those things that um, you, you can't really say that it's it's one more than the other. I think that there that there are cases, and I've seen cases again, people that I've worked with and haven't even worked with that I I spoke to and, and know that. Um, yeah, uh, t- uh, on the outside looking in, you would tend to think that a person who just naturally is a little bit heavier is carrying a lot more fat on them, that, that, that maybe they're not training as hard. However, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I know a lot of people who, who don't fight, who just work out in the gym and they bust their butt. I mean, they're, they're, you know, running on the treadmill for an hour, jumping rope for 45 minutes, lifting weights, like really, really working hard. And because their diet is so poor, mm. their body never changes. So it doesn't necessarily correlate to it being a lack of, of training. Um, I think that it would probably point more towards the lack of nutrition. Because uh, for me personally, like if I had the choice, if, if they said, Lou, here's the deal. You could either, you know, I can pay you a million dollars a year and all you get to do is work out, but you have to eat unhealthy. The goal is to look and feel the best you can. Um, or you can eat as healthy as you want, you know, high quality chef, but you're not allowed to work out. I would pick that one because I would look and feel the best without ever working out. So I think it points more to the actual diet than the actual worth ethic of, of the fighter. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, um, Dominic Cruz is one of those guys that enjoys the weight cut, mm. you know, like he needs it to perform better. Wow. And his mentality is 
if I'm training for a 135-pound fight, which at the time he was champion, he goes, I know I have to train my butt off because that's the only way I'm going to make weight. Mm. You know, that's his mentality. If I don't get a good training session, all right, I'm technically behind schedule. That's how it was for me in college when it came to, to wrestling. If I didn't lose this much amount of weight, well, then that's that's the bad part. Mm. And now I have to catch up to it. So I had to, to work my butt off to, to make sure I lost the amount of weight. And two, that I'm you know progressing. The only problem is... One for me in college and some of these MMA uh, fighters now is they worry more about the weight cut than the actual fight itself. They go, uh-huh. oh, we actually made weight. Oh, man, we still have to fight. Wow, I wasn't really, uh, wasn't really expecting this. You know, so right. and, and I'm uh, 100% you know, uh, at fault to that. Of, I, in wrestling, I was definitely more worried about the weight cut than the actual you know, wrestling matches. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I still have to wrestle. Mm. And I'm like, oh, man, this is, this is definitely not going to go well because I knew I wasn't healthy. You know, compared to these fighters that, one, manage their weight, they can focus 100% on training, not worry about the weight cut until maybe, you know, the week of and uh, when it should be worried about. And, two, it just it, – it is a whole different mental factor. When you start struggling with weight earlier, you know, in your camp, it's going to mentally, you know, me- mess you up. You know, it's definitely going to, you know, take fault of training. I mean, I've called Lou, you know, making 125 for the first time. I was training with some guys down at Jackson Wink that I definitely do very well against. And then one day, you know, it was, it was uh, the week before fight week, and I'm already low. It's the first time I've been at 125 in almost about a year, so I'm a little, I'm a little tired. I'm a little, you know, not, not the usual shorty tours out there in practice, and uh, I got beat up. You know, immensely, I started to break myself down, and I called Lou to help, you know, really rejuvenate me and go, hey, man, no, it's, it's just you're, you're a little tired. Don't worry. It's okay. You're overworking yourself right now. You know, as you get close to the fight, we'll start tapering the workout so you still feel good and you're still drinking a gallon of water a day and making sure you're getting all the nutrition needs but not overworking yourself. And that was the problem is when you get close to the fight, um, this is why I have Lou by my side to really, one, be there mentally, and two, physically when it comes to my nutrition is, you know, eventually you need someone there to help you in all those aspects, mainly when you get close to the fight, when the, the weight cut, in a sense, becomes a struggle or you're starting to, you know, get a little fatigued and, and mentally you're just not there. You know, for me, lose my guy for that. How, how, and this is just like an arbitrary thing, but I'm curious about it. What's what's your striking distance right now, like for 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 flyweight? Where and and is it a matter of weight? Is it a matter of like how much notice you would get to? Like now you're always like we were joking earlier, Lou, about how uh, Shorty keeps on getting the call for the UFC like right after he fights and goes under like <laughs> getting surgery and stuff. But like <laughs> right, yeah. so like I mean I'm sure you guys have talked about like okay we can make flyweight we need this much time right if you're at this right. weight like what. You know, reveal as much or as little as you guys want, but I'm curious. You know, for me personally, I would love just not not even for the weight cut because I believe I can make weight in two weeks, no problem. Mm. Um, as much as I wouldn't like to, <laughs> I know I can make it. But it's the whole fact of I want a two month training camp. I want to have the best type of UFC debut um, I could possibly have. Is Smart. it is it gonna happen? <laughs> the way it looks like it, probably not. But, yeah, probably not. We'll know, probably get about ten days to two weeks. Uh, yeah, notice. Which, yeah, which I've had, and I've been saying that from day one. Yeah, which I've had gotten two calls for, which you know it's not the funnest thing to do, but for some people, that is their their UFC call up. Mm. You know, for me, I believe because of my accolades, I don't need something like that. I deserve a contract and something that's better promoted. But, um, you know, for me, I'd like a two month training camp, not to worry about weight, but but I know because of how hard I train and how. Mm. Um, how much I'm learning through the camp, I'm going to lose weight naturally and get healthier because of it compared to, you know, two-week training camp. And, and, yes, I can make the weight, but am I going to be the healthiest, you know, shorty tours out there? Probably not. And am I going to be the most ready mentally? 
probably not. I want to have a uh, you know a good training camp, not just physically but mentally as well. Yeah, I, I just to piggyback off that too is and Trey and I, you know, we sometimes speak more than I would like personally. He does get you know rather annoying every <laughs> once in a while, media. but no, yeah, but um, you know, and and that's and the funny thing is 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 then that was the game plan, you know, going into this fight. Um, of course, we we want the call. We want you know, I want to get him into the UFC. He wants to be in the UFC and all that fun stuff. But we we both decided that regardless of what happens, you know, the next fight's going to be at twenty five for two reasons. One, because uh, a we know that's where we're going to be fighting in the UFCs is at 25. And B, I told them in the last two fights at 35, you know, we're getting hurt. So let's go back down Just to 25, man. And let's, you know, you're fighting guys that are a lot bigger than you, still beating them up, still doing your thing. But, you know, I, I kind of had a feeling that, that 25 was going to be the case, whether it be for Titan or the UFC, regardless of the outcome. And, and, and I said this to Shorty a long time ago. I always thought, even right off the hop, that what's going to most likely happen is is we're going to get a short notice call. I just feel it for whatever reason. They're not going to give you that two months. I would love for them to do that, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that he's going to get a short notice call. And by keeping his weight where, you know, where we keep it, um, I'm confident in 10 to 12 days uh, for, for him to make the weight safe and, and effective. But we were, we were planning on going to 25 after this fight regardless. So it really kind of puts us in a good place you know, no matter what happens, whether it be for Titan or the UFC. I mean, I was thinking a little opposite. I wanted to bump up to 45 and see where we're <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's uh, that three, three weight class. Yeah. Champ, champ, champ. You know, see where it goes. Yeah, but, but not for the belt, just so that he can eat more food. Yeah, just, it has just nothing so to do with the belt. And still cut 20 pounds. <laughs> so when we when you were talking earlier about uh, fighters knowing that they're going to fight at a heavier weight class, kind of like blowing up, and you and mm -hmm. you want fighters to stay closer to the weight class, well, what – the problem in getting them to do that is it a dedication thing is it that it's a healthy foods not always the most fun to eat mm -hmm. uh it, it's a few things actually uh yes i will cut you off shorty um so it, it was it, it's a phone. few things hang up the phone right. it, it, it's a few things and this is one of the things that is really overlooked and it's tough to talk about because anytime you know we're we're we're, we're on an mma podcast we're talking about mma and, and and fighting you know not a lot of people really want to talk or listen to like the boring side of nutrition for everyday life but the reality of it is 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 that the number one cause of death in america is coronary heart disease Food is the most over-abused drug in the world. There are a lot of people who have food addiction, right? Food addiction is a real thing. And, and just because you're a fighter doesn't mean that you're not addicted to food. And that's the part that's overlooked. you got to understand a lot of these guys, and such as myself, and Shorty could even tell you as well, you know, if, you're, if you've been wrestling or cutting weight since you're a young kid, one of the main reasons why you can't wait until the season's over is so that you can just eat as much as you want. It almost creates an eating disorder. And I think a lot of fighters, both men and women, without mentioning any names, I think a lot of fighters struggle with eating disorders because of cutting weight, because of cutting a lot of weight. You know, so the problem is, is, is that it's 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 a discipline thing. I think definitely you can't ignore that. And as much as some people may have a hard time admitting that or accepting it, it's certainly a discipline thing. But. I think that the, there's another gray area that people don't understand is, is, is that there's an addiction to food. People have addictions to food. And just because you're a fighter, you don't get a pass. You know, you, you still struggle with the same things. It's just you train two, three times a day. Um, so that may even make your addiction stronger because you're flying through all those calories. So the body's going to start craving more and more and more. And it, and it really is difficult to, to, to fight that crave. And then a lot of guys just, they, you know, they, they've been cutting weight their whole life that they're just over it. 
they're over the concept. You know, I know for, for listen, you know, with Johnny Hendricks, you know, he's been cutting weight since he's a kid. There's a massive part where he's just mentally over the process. And, and I kind of, I understand that part. Like I can kind of, you know, I kind of understand that part of it. Um, but, but that's really what it is. It's people overlook that part. You know, there's a lot of people who struggle with food addiction and most people who talk smack online about fighters being heavier and miss weight, they're struggling with food addiction themselves. So, you know, it's kind of ironic to me, actually. Yeah, it's a huge thing. And, and, and fighters in general, and just something Lou's really implemented on me is, is managing your weight and having a lifestyle change. You know, it's something I tell just, you know, people on the street that are asking me for weight loss advice is don't go on a diet. Everyone's like, oh, how's this paleo diet or how's this diet work? It goes, the diet's going to work for, for however long you do it, two, three months. You're going to lose a good amount of weight. The only problem is after your diet's over, you're going to probably gain half, if not all that weight back just because you've, you know, made so many different types of foods scarce to your, your diet. You've taken so many, you know, delicious foods out, tacos, burgers, whatever the case may be. And the first thing you do is go to that restaurant and enjoy your favorite meal, which is probably one of the worst cheat meals ever. You know, and then you gain all the weight back. And you're like, oh, how, how did this happen? When you've worked really hard for two months, but you gain all the weight back in one week. You know, for me, actually, you know, this last week or, um, or not last week, uh, the week after my fight, I wasn't able to walk. I'm using my grandmother's cane, stupid calf kicks. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to eat because, well, I'm not going to fight anytime soon. And I don't know, I gained the 20 pounds back. Wow. And we're like, whoa, <laughs> all right, we got to get back down there. Given I'm 20 pounds over 125, which is where I want to be, I want to be a little lower. But um, it's it can happen in two, three days, just like that. Wow. And that's what some, you know, myself given. But a lot of MMA fighters, they go, oh, well, I'm probably not going to fight for a while. So they binge eat enjoy what, whatever they can for the time being. And then they're like, oh, I got a short fight, you know, coming up. Oh, well, this is going to be interesting. And I don't know where their first practice, even though they're a month out, they're wearing sauna suits, eight pounds of clothing. It's like, you don't know how to, how to do this, do you? You know, so it's, it, it, it can really mess up an MMA career. And, uh, you know, Johnny Hendricks was one of them of, he doesn't want to manage his weight. He just wasn't, you know, he's not, he, he was fed up with weight cutting. You know, you know, you get burnt out after doing something so long. Mainly, again, Johnny Hendricks has been cutting weight for so long since he was a little kid. He doesn't want to manage his weight in between. He wants to enjoy life, and that's something he's openly spoke about, yeah. is that he wants to enjoy life. And if he has to fight it to have your weight class, so be it. And that's what he's doing right now because of it. So uh, one of the biggest things I, Lou and I wanted to bring up was there's different styles of weight cutting. You know, um, for for Lou and I, we manage our weight. You know, we don't cut weight, we manage it. Yes, we technically cut the water out, you know, a few days before the fight, depending on where our weight is, but we're drinking gallons of water, you know, before and making sure that, that we're healthy and, and just nutritionally ready and fit for it. But one of the biggest things that we see is um, a lot of these people blaming weight cut guys or, or water loading, for example, losing, you know, 15, 20 pounds a week of or even days before and and really promoting it. And then either they miss weight or they came that close to missing weight or they just looked drained or even in the fight they had a, a horrible performance. You know, this is not shunning Eddie Alvarez whatsoever, but one of the things he, he boasted about was he was 170, I believe, two days before his fight. Um, mm-hmm. And you can tell he's water loading because he has to do that to, to lose wow. the weight because he, you know, if he only drinks a gallon of water, you know, logically he's only going to have eight pounds of water, maybe eight to ten, you know, depending on what he has So and how he cuts it. You know, if he's running, his body's not going to give out as much because his muscles and, and just body overall needs the energy and water to, you know, uh, make himself feel a little bit better compared to, you know, he's not working on the hot tub. He's going to lose a little more weight that way. But we saw him at 170, dropped down to 163 after whatever he did. 
And then he's like, all right, cool. I still have a few more hours. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take this old school. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go run instead of doing whatever he's used to doing. It's like there's there's something different there. Mm. You know, and then he weighs 158, and he goes, okay, well, you still have to weigh 156. Yeah. You, st- you, you are still two and a half pounds over. Now, I know he's like, oh, I'm going to go run again. Oh, um, I stopped sweating, but I feel good. Which yeah, that's those impossible. Two words don't <laughs> it's impossible. Work together. Yeah. You know, I get whatever yeah. he's trying to promote. Yeah. You know, he's doing it in, in the positive sense, but – he still had to end up in the hot tub and he still had to overwork himself mm. just to make weight given the fight ended up working out fantastic for him and having a, a really beautiful knockout over Justin Gaethje, but it could have ended uh, uh, in a really, really bad way. Mm. You know, so it, you know, I've had my first fight at 25 when I fought Aldeo Velasquez the second round. I was like, okay, I'm a little more tired than mm. usual because it was my first time making weight at 125 in a very long time. But, um, you know, my second time, I mean, I felt great. That's interesting. That, so that we were talking offline before the show, too, and you, 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 you mentioned that, you know, you guys don't, you guys don't water load, which was interesting. Cause I, yeah, that, that is interesting because I, I found I, so many different fighters at, 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 at a high level that have different approaches. And one of the most common things is whatever their different approaches, most of them still do some form of water loading, but you guys water don't. Line. Yep. No, and, and, and here's the thing with that, and the, and the reason is, and I wanted to bring up a good point that, that you know, Elias, I think you, you will definitely relate to, just talking about, you know, cutting weight over and over again. And another thing that people kind of um, mess up with is, is it's one of those things that if, if you've made weight a few times, like in your head, you're like, oh, it's, it's easy. I could just, I could, I've made weight before. I have no problem. But it doesn't always work that way. You know, as we get older, things change. Mm-hmm. You might even be a little bit heavier. It's like jujitsu when you're training constantly. Right. You're constantly there. Uh, the moves seem to kind of come to you a little bit easier. They flow a little bit better. But if you take three months off and then you go roll, are those moves going to come mm-hmm. to you just as easily as they did? Right. No, you're going to you know, you're going to kind of be a little rusty. So so that's where some hiccups go is, is you can't just have that mentality that, oh, yeah, well, I've made weight several times. So, yeah. But but have you followed the same protocol from this point on? You know, um, with me and my guys, some of them, you know, the first time we, we made weight, then it gets in their head like, oh, man, that was so easy. So, yeah, I could even get a little bit heavier. But anyway, mm. with, with the water loading, no, that was one of the first things that I spoke out against. As a matter of fact, the first interview I ever did was with Bloody Elbow because that's when they were talking about banning the use of IV. Mm. And um, Dolce and Lockhart were both very advocate, uh, very um, vocal about against the ban of the IV. And I actually was the only one that spoke and said, I'm for the IV for many reasons. Number one, it's ridiculous. If you need an IV to hydrate yourself after a weight cut, that means you're way too dehydrated. Number two, um, you get rid of the IV and it's going to force guys to walk around much lighter all year round, making it safer and effective. I've been saying that and preaching that for two years. But water loading is it, what happens is, and the why you find a lot of guys using it, is because it's, it's an easy way out in a sense. You're, you're loading your body up with all this water to flush all this water out. So you, you don't necessarily have to, quote unquote, work to get it off. You don't have to run a little bit and you don't have to do as much because you're pulling all this excess water out. But you're not just pulling water out. You know, you're, you're pulling essential uh, vitamins and minerals out, not just water. Mm. Uh, and, and there's so much danger that can happen. Just Google, you know, the side effects of water loading. You saw it on the one season of The Ultimate Fighter. I forget the guy's name. Um, and what season it was, but he water loaded and he started having seizures and they had to take him to the hospital. Yeah. 
you know um so i i've been against water loading for, for, for since since day one uh and i think it's absurd and, and ridiculous and not safe in in my opinion and and you know the guys that listen and follow full protocol have never water loaded and we would never water load to make weight you know I, i've done water loading the first time i fought for for worlds i only did 10 pounds which is much less than than most people but um the first time doing it, I'm like, okay, wow, okay, I got 10 pounds. Let's, let's see how this goes. Knowing that I have two gallons of water in me, I know I can make the weight. Um, one, mentally, you're like, oh, man, I'm that far away. It, it doesn't, you know, when you start stressing out, it's actually harder to lose weight. And then two, mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to run. I was just trying to hot tub, which is fine. It's a lot more, um, it's definitely a lot easier than running because, you know, it's not as fatiguing. The only problem is you do so many hot tubs, you want to pass out. You need somebody watching you and, and mentally every single time you jump back in the hot tub, it's like, oh, I got to do another one. Oh, I got to do another one. Oh, okay, one more. And then you do one more and you still look, you're still two pounds over. It's like, oh, I got to do it again. And mentally you're just drained and broken. You just don't even want to fight anymore. You know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's a, it, it is a whole, you know, from the mental side of me actually doing it and trying it. It's not fun at all. And then you see these fighters cutting 20, 30 pounds doing it the week of, um, I think Johnny Hendricks was actually one of them when he when he was working with Dolce. Of mm -hmm. they were yeah, Dolce is a water loader. It was was the thirty pounds, and they're just like talking in the hot tub, and yeah, it looks cool and UFC embedded, but no one shows the behind the scenes stuff. You know, I think uh, I think <laughs> I think Cyborg was actually one of those people who water loaded, and then she had her old documentary of making. Mm -hmm. I think it was the one forty, the the catch weight, yep. and she's like crying and doing. And she can't even cry because there's no tears coming out because she's not hydrated. You know, so it's it's a huge huge thing, and again. Um, I don't know what promotion. I think we talked about it. Was there was a guy in uh, in Asia, you know, pancreas, doing, pancreas, yeah, doing a. I don't know if he won or not, or if, even even if they allowed him to fight. But I know he had some type of horrible way of weight cutting, and they couldn't. He couldn't even walk on the scale. Wow. They had to. His coaches had to literally drag him one coach on each side, carry him onto the scale, try to hold him still so he can make weight, makes weight, and then they're like dragging him off. Yeah, right, yeah. and see, see, that's the problem. And here's the question I have for you guys: is is so so as a you know as a journalist, as as a media guy, or just you know a fan, or or not even from the outside looking in, you see that. Oh my God, weight cutting is is terrible. They need to get rid of weight cutting. I've even seen some top level fighters tweet out there that you know you got to get rid of weight cutting. It's not safe. It's dangerous. Um, which looking at that guy and hearing that and seeing that, you, you'd be crazy if you didn't agree with that. But but what about the behind the scenes? What if that guy was 50 pounds above his weight class, waited to the last minute? What if I said to you, here's your choice. You could either, you know, really restrict a lot of the food you enjoy, but, you know, take some discipline. You have to really manage your weight all year round. You're going to be lighter. You're going to get to drink a gallon of water every day. Um, but you're going to have to restrict a lot of things versus, hey, guess what? You can eat as much as you want the week of the fight. The only thing you're going to have to do is just drink three gallons of water, which to a thirsty wrestler sounds like the most appetizing thing ever, mm -hmm. right? Three gallons of water in your mind. You're like, I'll drink five. Um, but I can say, Hey, you can get as heavy as you want. You're going to drink three gallons of water. And then that's how we're going to flush all the weight out. You don't have to worry about your diet. Of course you're going to pick that way, right? It's the law of least effort, uh, drink three gallons and not have to worry about my diet. But, but again, if, if you see that guy stepping on the scale, you know, your opinion's of course going to be, oh, my God, weight cutting is dangerous. Well, is, is weight cutting really dangerous? Is it really dangerous when it's done correctly? No, it's, it's, it's actually not. The, the, I think the, the big question is how do you get people to do it the right way? 
And I think that's, you know, as somebody who helps white fighters cut weight all the time, I guess that's something that you struggle with on the regular basis. Uh, like uh, yep. Weight classes, more weight classes conceivably helps because you could have, you could not have to cut as much weight, but there's always going to be those people who try to cut even further or it's still. Of course, because they want to cheat the system. So more weight classes just means more fighters get to be lazy. That, that's all it really means. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> you I know, know. and I know Lou and even myself have had problems where people ask us for help and still do what they want to do or they'll tell lou oh no i'm gonna do this it's like what dude you hired me you know you're asking me for help you know the biggest problem with fighters is that they think if they hire a, a weight management specialist or a nutritionist it's gonna be easier it's only easier if you listen you know and that's mm. the biggest thing with with lou and i is that i never had a problem making weight even when um the scales were wrong the first time of me making mm. 25 i wasn't mentally drained i was like okay cool i'm 125 oh this is uh, it's not no, all right, I've got to put on my sauna top and do two more pounds. Am I excited for it? Definitely not. But it was the work I needed to do to make weight, and I still made weight given two pounds under, and it, it can definitely mess up a fight because of it. But I was still able to sweat two pounds in, yeah. in like, the 20 minutes of, of running with a you know, sauna yeah. top. And for being a small guy, a 25-er, it's – Two pounds in 20 minutes is a lot. Yeah. You know, being, for being at the end of a cut. Yeah, for being yeah, close the to morning awesome. up. Which, yeah. you know, so the morning, it's, it's, the morning up. It's yeah. the fact of listening and then in between trying to manage your weight. That's the biggest thing. And um, like I was telling you with you know the high schoolers looking at the freshmen, they don't know what to do. So they look at the higher, you know, the upperclassmen. The upperclassmen were the same thing. The freshmen looking at the varsity. So it's a cycle of people not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. But if you have MMA fighters coming in there, hopefully like myself and, and other fighters starting to implement weight management, you know, not not in a sense technically the nutrition way, sorry Lou, but the whole weight, That's okay. but the whole weight management of being healthier naturally and being able to take last minute fights and, and being healthy because of it, I think it's going to start looking, um, you know, those fighters coming up are going to start look, to look at them and mm. go, okay, that's how they do it. All right, I'm going to start doing that way mm. too. You know, so it's well, it's really hopefully a new breed starts to come out and, and really puts up a new wave of how to manage that's what needs to That's mm. what needs to happen, I think. You know, and I'd like to answer your question directly. Most people don't listen. You know, I've been in the industry, health and fitness industry for 18 years, and I would say 80% of my clients that have paid me really good money don't listen. And I call them out on it all the time, you know, because at the end of the day, it really is basic math. If you are eating what I'm telling you and working out the way I'm telling you to basic math, you're going to be lighter. Most people don't listen. And it's very hard to, to, to get them to listen, you know? And the other thing is, is, and I think like Shreddy was just saying, um, I think it needs to be passed down when I was, you know, I'm 36. So when I was 10 and started wrestling and learned how to cut weight by the older generation, I never, I was shocked, as crazy as this is going to sound, I was shocked when I found out that fighters use saunas and hot tubs to cut weight because I never heard of it before. Because when I was cutting weight in high school, we didn't. I never used a sauna or a hot tub. I had to wrap myself in saran wrap because most of the time I couldn't even get a sauna suit. Oh, there wasn't times. that many out there. So I had to wrap myself in saran wrap, and I had to run and actually not eat for, for two days you know, to cut, to cut weight. Um, and that be, and the only reason I knew how to do that was is because that's what the sophomores and the juniors and the seniors were saying. Here's a bag of Jolly Ranchers. What, they, what do I do with this? Suck on them and spit in a cup. Don't swallow for the night. What? Yeah, that's what you got to do. That's like a quarter of a pound. Okay, that's what you do. So you're getting all this misinformation from all these wrestlers uh, or, or fighters or whoever, and, and that's the problem. And, and I, you know, I don't unfortunately, I, I don't think it's ever going to be completely fixed as much as I would love it to be, you know, to be fixed. But, but you're getting bad information, misinformation. Um, and it's, listen, it's not easy. It's actually easier to work out, like put on some gloves and hit a heavy bag 
than than it is to have the discipline yeah. to not eat the foods that you're not supposed to. And and that's where it is. You know, the worth ethic in some of these guys and girls are through the roof. But it's the discipline in that area yeah. that, that most lack. I've I've had a couple extra almonds today, Lou. I just want to say that. <laughs> well, uh, that's the beauty of Shorty is, is is at least when he does eat something that he's not supposed to, he tags me and he tells me so. It makes it my job my job easier to. Uh, which is that? Know, which is of, that funnier? Yeah. He said a couple almond yeah. joys, not almonds. Yeah, I mean, not well, <laughs> yeah, almond joys, exactly. I, I, listen, I already know his code words and everything. So almond, definitely mean almond joys for sure. But you know, you know, for me, and, and this is something with the the extra weight class question is. Back in 97 for, I believe it was high school, if not college wrestling, um, three kids died. And they were mm, all freshmen. Wow. You know, they were just trying to weight cut. No one was watching them. They passed out or even had heart attacks at the age of 18 to 21. You know, so they passed on. That's when the whole, um, you know, hydration tests and mm, fat tests happened in high school and colleges that, yeah. to make sure that these kids are doing it right. Mm. And even back in the day... Um, I don't know when you wrestled Lou. When was it like seventies? Anyways, yeah, sixty three. Um, yeah, sixty three. Um, <laughs> so they used to have the day before weigh-ins in wrestling. Uh, now you weigh in like two hours to wow. an hour before, depending if it's a, if it's a duel, it's an hour before. If it's a, uh, a tournament, it's two hours before. Wow. Which the only reason they implemented that was to have healthier weigh-ins. If you know, people usually went, oh, well, I still have a whole day to recover so I can really kill myself mm. to make this weight. I have a whole day to rehydrate and I'll feel better the next day. But if you have only two hours to an hour to make weight, are you going to do it better? And mm. that was the, the idea of yeah. these guys are going to hopefully cut weight. Right, hopefully. But it's still, it's still not. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, still, it's still not healthy. I said this. You want to mm. know how you fix the weight cutting problem? It's real simple. You don't add more weight classes for weight cutting. It's really simple. I was the first person to say it two years ago. You know how USADA goes around and spot checks everybody? Well, do spot check weight cut, uh, uh, mm. weigh-ins. Yeah. Random, random weigh-in. Step on the scale. Make up a protocol. For me, my I've always said no more than 15 to 20 pounds above your fighting weight class. If you walk around that weight all year round, whether you get a two-week call or a six-week call, you will make weight and be able to drink water all the way up into the scale and eat. Um, but so, so do random uh, weight checks. Mm-hmm. If everybody is walking around 15 to 20 pounds above their weight class, you will not see one person miss weight. And you will not see one person super dehydrated and drawn out on the scale. Um, and, and I can guarantee that. But, mm. but that won't happen um, because guys still think that they have a massive advantage by mm. being that much bigger. And, and it's just really bad misinformation. Mm. You know? And that's the, that's the mold to try to break is explaining to a wrestler um, because it's more common with wrestlers that the bigger guy doesn't have the advantage. Mm. Eventually, he will have the disadvantage. And that's the fun part is when Lou always asks me about my weight. I either say, "Oh, I don't have a scale," or "I don't." Oh, have it's just keen, it's convenient. He never has a scale. I think there were two <laughs> fights out of the six. I uh, straight up two fights out of the six where I actually never saw the actual scale. And I was just like, you know what? I trust that he's listening to me, but I don't necessarily trust what his weight is. But you know what? I know Shorty. He's too stubborn. You know, he'll do what he needs to do. But I literally two camps where I had no clue what his actual weight was for the entire for the entire camp. I do what I want for the entire. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! Yeah. Well, because he knew he could blame me if he missed. So <laughs> that's I, right. I was trying to follow the trend. <laughs> that's right. When in doubt, right? Blame, blame the nutritionist. That's right. There you go, Mike. Mike exactly. No, no, no. It's not when in doubt, blame the nutritionist. It's when in doubt, blame Lou. <laughs> blame Lou. <laughs> Specifically, yes. Exactly. People, people haven't hired you or blaming you. Yeah, like, wait a minute, I've never yeah. met you. Who do you? <laughs> right. Yeah. Wait. Lou nutritionist gets blamed for. Wait a second. I'm in, I'm in the hospital right. because I try to get out of the hot tub. I passed out, hit my head. I blame Lou. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. 
Man, well, it's been phenomenal having you both on. Lou, yeah. thanks for jumping on the show at the in the second half. I appreciate half. it, man. I love I love coming on your show, listening to your show. Like I said from day one, you guys are, are hands down, if not the best, one of the best. You just keep it real, appreciate genuine, it. good, good, good dudes, man. I love your show, and I appreciate you having me on. You just got to stop having Shorty. Yeah, just <laughs> for it. You know? Shorty owns the show now. He's actually yeah. he signed over the paper to him. <laughs> I'm partner now. He, he took yeah, over well, as host the there case, for a moment. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's he has a habit of doing that. So, uh, you know, that's just the way that it works. But I appreciate you guys, man, always. And, and like I said, I'm a massive fan, uh, personally, well, and, and the podcast for sure. Are we are we getting tacos after this? Oh, Lou, you still on the line? <laughs> <laughs> Deep fried bur- uh, burritos for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Shorty, I'll tell you what: if you're if you're if you're signed to the UFC in the next two hours, you could eat whatever you want. Making the call. I'm, I'm, I'm messaging Mick <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were on the same team here. Well, thank you guys. This is uh, I think the first time we've actually had four people yeah. on the show. So this was uh, this it's was history. Fun. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We'll talk to you real soon again, Lou. Take care, brother. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your night, Shorty. You better send me a picture of your weight later on because I know you have extra fat. We'll just bring a scale to the office. Uh, I can't find so awesome. scale. <laughs> Yeah. That next time you guys have Shorty in the show, just just have me on Skype and not tell him, and then just weigh him so I can see right. you. All right, fellas, have a good night. Thanks. Take care, Luke. And uh, thank you, Jose, for coming in and talking uh, to us, talking about the Phantom 250, talking about weight cutting, and uh, you know, giving your thoughts on Francis Nagano and Stephen Miocic. We really appreciate it. No problem. Let's never have Lou on the show. Again. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but no, and and. 100% on Lou and Lou Trish and his lifestyle, what he's implemented on me is the only reason I am a double weight class champ wow. because it does take a lot, one, to cut the weight to 125, and then two, bump up to a weight class, not just fight um, 35ers, but championship level 35ers, guys who are ready for the UFC like Farquaad and Gleason and Jesus, um, and be able to beat the bigger guy, and it's only because Lou's been able to help me to make my body ready for you know the bigger impact of it you know the bigger weight class and uh to really endure the conditioning of of being able to grind with a guy yeah. that you know is stronger bigger and probably even you know more dynamic for for five rounds so it's you know 100 percent these two belts are because of lou um mainly the first one at 125 because i didn't have the confidence and to be able to have the mental confidence to do it again um is a huge thing you know so lou, lou is definitely on my side and when it comes to to weight management it's something i do implement for all all my fighters back at home and just overall everyone it's it's it can ruin someone's career hmm. you know so being able to do it right can make your career and at the end of the show we always like to kind of uh, promote things that we got coming up elias do you got anything you want to uh, promote let's see yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll i've got some stuff coming up at uh on friday a new column at mixedmartsalarts.com uh, then again monday so we'll have two within a short short period of time um but yeah those are the those are the big things got some uh got some stuff at the gym uh keeping me busy so i haven't been able to write as much as i want but uh yeah got some we'll keep it a surprise a topic but there'll be some 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 degree of, of controversy in the column so we'll see how that goes it's always fun <laughs> what about you well wait you're the host you should go last yeah <laughs> i i have my uh end of the year awards coming out tomorrow over on si.com and of course we have the fandom 250 so make sure to check that out i wrote the article explaining uh, why Conor McGregor was number one. So check that out. Now to the host, Jose Shorty Torres. What do you got coming next week? Uh, or this week? This week, I have no clue. 
I'm hopefully going to be uh, commentating for Titan FC 47 nice. if I get a plane ticket. Not too sure. I'm also – the only reason there's a little bit of a controversy is because I'm doing a Toy for Tots for Equally Chicago on Friday at Loyola Hospital in Maywood. So uh, doing meets and greets with the kids, you know, letting them hold the belts and, and just, you know, the kids don't don't have much. You know, there's the kids with cancer or kids who just can't go home for Christmas. So um, it's been real cool to have, you know, Equally Chicago, Platinum Fades, uh, Remax Partners, all these guys just partner up and, and be able to have – you know, delivery locations for the toys, and um, I'm really excited to really just personally hand out toys to these kids, and uh, you know, hopefully see you know a positive smile and you know something to really impact them. So I'll be doing that, and hopefully, if times work out well, and I'm still able to make Titan FC 47, I'll fly out to Miami, commentate for them. But I'm just doing everything in Chicago and really trying to, um, you know, hopefully, and something I'll be talking to you very soon is possibly doing a, a seminar December 30th, um, and then also watching UFC fights with just everyone and supporting everything. But if people need anything, um, you know, Shorty Torres one two five on Twitter, Jose Shorty Torres on Instagram, Facebook, Jose Shorty Torres, Team Shorty again. Twenty percent of all my apparel goes to the the kids in my gym to train and compete, and I just really appreciate and love all the support, guys. Thank you so much. Kind of make our list look uh, look small. Nice. <laughs> no, that's phenomenal. That's awesome. <laughs> so busy and doing good things at this all at the same time. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to watch the show. We will see you next week. <laughs>